James chapter 1 in the Word of God, almost to the very back of the Bible, almost to the very back of the Bible. We, uh, we got the opportunity, I know they were refinishing the floors here at the school, they're doing a lot of work here on the school, and so we're so grateful that they are uh, doing all of those things and, and uh, prepping everything, making it better for us, and making it better for them, not just for us, but for them. And uh, appreciate Delvon, uh, appreciate Delvon Height. He come out here and donated his time, his talent, and his treasure by power washing the front area for the school uh, on Hope City, all right, on Hope City. So we just want to be a blessing back to the school and uh, loving on them. Uh, let me turn my phone on vibrate. I know somebody will call me right in the middle of service, okay? When they know right where I'm at, you know, they know right where I'm at. And, uh, but I was so grateful. We got to go to uh, Colorado for a few days and spend some time with some family over there. And I got to experience one of the coolest things. Okay, we, my brother-in-law took us to a race, yeah? And uh, we get over there. We're at this race, and they have the, it's on asphalt. And uh, they have this certain race called the Spectator Eliminator. Okay, the Spectator Eliminator. And the Spectator Eliminator is you can drive your own car, okay, that you pay... I'm hopeful that there was no insurance agents in the crowd, okay, right? But you could drive your own car out on the track, and you can race people, okay? And my favorite racer, my favorite racer was out there. He was in a four-wheel drive Dodge Ram truck. He was 84 years old, okay? And he had the crowd's heart. He won like three different races. We thought he was going to win. And then they pulled out a Corvette, like a 2021, uh, you know, Corvette Z06, which is very fast, okay? And it beat all the other cars, but what an awesome time. Uh, we saw a 1996 Honda Accord. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, just some incredible cars out there really trying to get with it. Uh, we saw a grocery getter, okay, uh, literally a station wagon out there trying to get with it, a Volvo, okay, and it was super fun. But I hope that you had an incredible 4th of July and that you celebrated your independence, uh, not just in this life, but hopefully you celebrated your independence in Christ. Somebody say a good amen right there. I'm so grateful for you this morning. God bless you. We're launching a brand new series this month entitled Confession of Faith. Everybody say that with me. Confession. You sound so good. Confession of Faith. And this morning I want to talk to you about enemies of faith or the, some, some enemies. This is not an exhaustive list, okay, but some enemies of our faith, okay. So James chapter 1 in the Word of God, verse 1 through 8, it says this letter is from James, a slave of God. And of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, okay, Jewish believers who have been scattered abroad. He's writing to the church, okay, he's writing to the church here. He says, Greetings, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, everybody say any kind, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Listen to me. God will not rebuke you for needing wisdom. God will not rebuke you for wanting wisdom. Amen. It's a good thing to ask for. Amen. It's a good thing to get some clarity. Amen. It says this. When you ask him, he says he will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Watch this. This is so powerful. Do not waver. Everybody say, do not waver. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And such people, what, what, what people? People who waver in their faith. That's what he's talking about. Those that waver in their faith. He says, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Because their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything that they do. Powerful, powerful words and study of scripture this morning. One of the very first enemies of our faith is unbelief. Unbelief. I've been there. 
I've done that. I've walked in that space before. And the word greetings, amen, at the end of James chapter 1 and verse 1 means to have joy. He gives us a greeting and he says, hey, have joy. He's talking about God. He's talking about Christ. He's talking about faith in God and faith in Christ. And the theme of chapter 1 is to have joy in the midst of the trials. Have joy in the midst of the troubles. I don't know about you, but joy is not the first thing that comes to my mind or comes to my heart when I'm dealing with troubles. All right? Just for instance, I'm helping my brother-in-law up in Colorado, and he wants to hang a, 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 a stairway to heaven. No, he wants to hang a stairway uh, into his garage space. And I'm thinking in my mind, I work with sheetrock and, and, you know, wooden studs. I, I got this. He's got this meeting. He's going to head off to the meeting. I'm like, bro, I'm all about this. I could put an attic ladder in your attic, okay? So he takes off, and he's getting, I said, hey, I'm, I, I've got everything framed in. I'm ready to go. We get out there. We put the ladder up. We put a couple of screws in it. And unbeknownst to me, I had made a trapezoid instead of a rectangle. Hate geometry. I had no idea that this end has to be perfectly level, left and right. I, I had the measurements perfect. You know, it's 41 and 2 eighths. Come on, somebody. Okay? And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at this, and I, I think I've got it. He said, hey, you don't have it level. we got to take it back down out of the ceiling and do it again. I learned a powerful lesson about level and square. Okay? Level and square. All right? So it's not the first thing that comes to my mind is joy in the midst of trials and trouble. It's not the first thing, right? Now watch this. The opposite of joy would be unbelief. The opposite of joy would be misery. The opposite of joy would be despair, would be to stay in that trial, would be to stay in that space of tribulation. And if you're of the weird idea that Christians don't have problems, just hang around just a little second. I promise you're going to have some problems. Come on, somebody. Amen? But look at Psalm chapter 34 and verse 19. Amen? You should highlight this. Amen? Write it on the, you know, sharpie it on the bottom of your shoes, whatever's helpful for you. Amen? It says Psalm 34, 19, the righteous face many troubles, but the Lord rescues them from each and everyone. How many of them? All of them. Each and everyone. God will help you. He'll rescue you from them. Amen. Will you still go through challenges and trouble? Of course you will. But God is there to rescue us and help us and develop us and give us the wisdom. So we go into test and we go into trouble, but we go into them with the joy of knowing that at the end of it, God is going to deliver us. God is going to help us. Listen, when trouble strikes, I know that God is my source. He's my source of power. God's my source of courage. God's my source of wisdom. God's my source of provision. Come on, somebody. And I know that when I get into the trouble that God has my best interest at heart, Romans 8, 28. And as any kind of trouble attacks me, I, I don't, uh, any kind of trouble attacks me, I don't need to get frustrated at God. Amen? I just need to admit that I need his help, and I need to thank him for being by my side. Praise God. That's the area, that's the space that we need to walk in. Now, when we look at this and we begin to study the scripture, the, the Bible teaches us that the Jews were scattered because of persecution. Long before Hitler, that's a whole nother, that was a whole nother decade of death, right? Amen. But the Jewish people, God's chosen people, were, were scattered abroad, and they thought to themselves, and we, we do it even today, we think to ourselves, man, I might get out of persecution if I go into an area that there's only Christians. I'll get out of this Gentile country, okay? Get me out of the Gentile country. I'll just kind of get out here. We got a lot of people in that frame of mind today. I'll just get out here on my own, okay? Going to isolate myself, okay? Get into this space. Listen, you will never find a place where there is no trouble until you die. Amen? It's a place called heaven. It's a perfect place, right? And the devil, Scripture teaches us, listen, that the devil is the God of this world. He's the God of this world. So matter, no matter where we go, you can't run away from his troubles. You can't run away from his trials. He's still killing 
and stealing and destroying people's lives in Lima, Peru, Jefferson City, Missouri, as well as Seoul, Korea. This is his job, and he's good at his job. Amen. He's good at his job. And the scriptures teach us uh, about these things. That part of the reason, think about this, that you run into troubles and trials is because you take yourself. I, I run into a lot of troubles and trials. You know, had I not made a trapezoid, had I made a rectangle, no trouble. Zero trouble. Uncle Scott would be proud. Instead, Uncle Scott was ashamed of me. <laughs> but he taught me a powerful lesson. Grab the square. Grab the level. Let's go again. All right? He made me do all the work. Come on, somebody. But he taught me how to get it done, Okay? And so we look at this, and, and, and we go into trouble sometimes, and we take ourselves, right? And sometimes we're the most troublesome in the trouble. It can be our attitude, and it can be our spirit. A lot of people take the disappointment pill every day. It's Sunday. Now, I'm not talking about your husband or your wife. Come on, somebody. Stay with me here, all right? But some people just kind of live in a space of disappointment, don't they? They kind of live in that space. Hey, it's Sunday. I better take my disappointment pill. Nothing, nothing good ever happens to me. Can't ever win nothing. Come on, somebody. You, you, you hear these kind of people, right? And so we're talking about confessions of faith. Amen. And we have these inconsistencies sometimes because not only is the devil our problem, sometimes I'm my problem. Sometimes I, I've had my wife say to me, you're so negative. Amen. And it's like she's almost talking through the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. And she's like, hey, if you weren't so negative about the situation or if you'd have a little faith in this scenario, come on. And you go into that space. And a lot of times we deal with our own inconsistencies. Sometimes we take into our own problems, our own sin. We take in our own ignorance. We take in our own selfishness. We take in our own fear and rebellion. And the scripture, watch this, it encourages us to count it all joy when you fall into all of these temptations. Count it joy. I don't count it joy. I don't sit around counting it joy saying, hey, I can't wait to go through problems and frustrations. I can't wait to have a financial problem. Amen. I can't wait for my car to break down. You know, I don't think of it that way. Come on. I'm human as anyone else, right? And we walk in that space, so watch this. So when you fall into these different temptations, count it joy. He's speaking to the global church, every Christ follower. And the word for consider means this, to conclude. Conclude it, joy. End it in joy. Amen? The end of the chapter, you know, the prince gets the girl, right? You know what I'm saying? The, the, the hero wins. Okay, he saves, the, he saves the world. He saves the city, whatever that it is. In the end of the story, God rescues us all. And so we look at this, this word consider means to conclude. And so the Christian life is not designed that you go to church when you're having troubles. Hey, I just, I'm having troubles. I better go to church this weekend. I, I, remember, I remember teenagers in our youth group a, a lot of years ago. We'd have some parents, they, were, they would flip-flop like this. They would be like, if you don't straighten up, you're going to youth group tonight. <laughs> it's not a juvenile detention center. Come on, somebody. Amen. And then you're on the flip side. Then you've got some other parents. You're like, I, I know that there's, I know there's good things that happen in church. I know they're discipling the kids. They're, they're ministering to the students. But, you know, my kid gets in trouble. He stays home from youth group as well as Six Flags. There, there's got to be a balance that's there for us. Come on, somebody. That we're helping our kids and we're teaching our kids in, in that space. Amen. And so the Christian life is not designed that when you go, you know, hey, I'm, I'm having troubles, I better go to church. Or when God, uh, or, or I go to God when, when my life is off the rails and then I quit when everything's good and, and, and smooth again. Listen, the Bible is not a book that we just open when our trials come and then we close it when they're over. Amen. The word of God is to be taken in at all times. Faith is to be a part of who we are. It's a confession that we make each and every hour of each and every day. Come on, somebody. Can you hear me? Give God a hand clap of praise. Will you do it? The word of God is to be taken in at all times. Good times we study God's word. Bad times we study God's word. The scripture says it's life and it's health to our bones. Amen. It brings conviction and healing. 
Sometimes God's word will tell you you're wrong. And that's a good place to be. Amen. Because God, listen to me, the scripture says he disciplines those he loves. I don't let my kids run off the rails. I disciplined them. Amen. And they'll tell you how bad they have it. Just ask them. Just, just go talk to them, okay? They'll be glad to tell you. All right? The word of God brings promises. It brings promises. And the word of God brings rebuke. And so it says to consider trouble an opportunity for great joy. Consider trouble to be an opportunity for great belief. Consider trouble to be an opportunity for great rejoicing. Consider it, watch this, consider it an opportunity for God to move in your life supernaturally, in your situation, in your circumstances, and in your problems. Come on, somebody. Consider it, that, consider it in that space. Look at Psalm 16 and verse 11. It says, you will show me the way of life. God has a path for us to live on. He's got a space that he wants us to live in. And it says, you'll show me that way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Listen, life is only 70, 80, 90 years on this earth. Maybe if you make the smuckers jar at 100, congratulations, okay? But we only get a, a, a little bit of this life. But eternity is forever and forever and forever, Amen. And we look at that space and we realize that. And living with God forever and ever, there's joy in that space. And so God wants us to have joy at all times. You, you, you know, you, you, you might look to yourself and say, well, we can't pay the bills. Well, we can't find healing. Well, we won't experience deliverance. We won't experience freedom. I'm, Pastor Mike, I'm literally going to the worst of the worst of the worst. But can I say something to you? God is still faithful. He is forever faithful. He's got you. He has got you, amen. And, and as Christ followers, we don't run around speaking unbelief. We don't run around speaking joylessness. We don't run around speaking despair and gloom and doom and problems surmounted upon problem. We speak life. Somebody speak life, amen. Amen. We speak joy. The scripture says joy unspeakable and full of the glory of God or full of the presence of God. We speak faith and we speak belief, and we speak salvation. Listen, this church is going to minister to people's hearts and to people's lives in this city. We're going to see people saved and healed and delivered. We're going to see this church multiply. We're going to see this church influence and multiply its influence. Why? Because it's what we speak. It's who we are. God's kingdom is about growing. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's about growing. The next enemy of our faith, the next enemy, hopelessness, hopelessness, hopelessness. Look, feelings of unworthiness and a lack of understanding the righteousness of God. That's hopelessness. Feelings of unworthiness and a lack of understanding righteousness. The guilt that you feel sometimes. The condemnation that you feel. Why do you think the devil is pushing that kind of drug on you? Because he's a drug pusher. That's what he does. Amen. And he'll push that hopelessness on you. He'll push that unbelief on you. He'll push those lies and those deceptions upon you. The, 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 the guilt of uh, the feelings of hopelessness, they're major enemies of our faith. Amen. And the devil always comes to accuse you and to remind you of all the wrong things that you have done. Amen. I'm a pastor I've been preaching and ministering and, and, and honoring God with my life, living, living a certain way, living a life of purity. I, I believe this, trying to do my very best to live a life that's pure before God, amen, and the devil will still talk to me about what I did when I was 17 and 18 and 19 years old, amen. The devil will talk bad about me. He'll say, hey, you remember when you were a pastor and that guy across the street from the church he drove through the parking lot 40 miles an hour, and you went after him. Do you remember that? I said, yeah, I remember that, and I'm still mad about it. Got kids and grandkids out here in this parking lot, amen. My wife and my son, they say, hey, Dad, hey, hey, just calm down. Just chill out, man. Uh-uh, we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> I was collected, but I was not calm or cool. Come on, somebody. Amen. You can get yourself into a space, right, 
and the hopelessness that we can walk in sometimes. Listen, you are not righteous because of how spiritual that you are. Listen, you're not righteous because you have a, a, a Bible streak on you version. You got a one-week streak. Yeah. Amen. Doesn't make us righteous. Amen. You're not righteous because you're a good person. You're not righteous because you pray and read the Bible. Amen. You're not righteous because you give or because you serve. You are righteous because Jesus' sacrifice upon the cross made us righteous. He did all the work, and I get to reap all the benefits. Amen. He endured all the punishment, and I get to reap all the benefits. And when you believe this, your faith, watch this, is accounted for righteousness. All of a sudden, I believe, and what was read, I'm now deep into the black. Come on, somebody, if you can hear what I'm saying. In accounting terms, okay? Which I was terrible at accounting, okay? I was terrible accounting and geometry. Oh, that's why you became a pastor, pretty much. Just kidding. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Christ, listen to it, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's not my religion that's going to get me to heaven. Amen? It's not because I attend Hope City on Sunday. Amen? It's my righteousness in Christ Jesus. It's my belief in God. It's the purpose that we have as a church. Amen? And when thoughts of hopelessness and unworthiness pop into your head, remind the devil. Capture those thoughts and remind the devil, hey, 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 for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for my sin. Amen? And bring those thoughts into captivity. Cast them down. Every thought into what? The obedience of Christ. When the devil tells you you're not enough, remind him of his future. Hey, listen, you're a liar, you're a thief, you're still struggling to walk in that space because of your pride, amen? And that, that's the devil, amen? And this conclusion comes when you look at the word of God and you apply it to the circumstances of this life. Listen, listen, trouble comes because of the word. Because of the word of God in our lives. Trouble comes because of the word. And you overcome trouble because of the word. Am I making sense? You remember two weeks ago when we talked about throwing out the seed? And we were talking about throwing out the seed everywhere. You remember that? Mark chapter 4 verse 16. Look at it one more time. Verse 16 and 17. The rocky soil. Are are you there? It says the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and they receive it with what? Joy. I receive that message with joy. God says he's able. God says it can be done. But watch this. But like young plants in such soil, their roots didn't go very deep. Your job is to get deeper in God. Your job is to grow. Our job as Christians is to get deeper in Christ. Watch this. At first they get along fine, but they wilt as soon as they have problems or are persecuted because they believe the word. We go through a little bit of persecution. Amen. Somebody makes fun of us. Somebody doesn't like the movie, the same movie that we like. And all of a sudden, we're in our feelings. Huh? Amen. And anytime we see this, a lot of people, they believe immediately. They, They believe because it's joyful. It's good news. The scripture, the word of God is good news. Amen. They believe immediately, but they don't stay committed to their beliefs. And Satan, I'm trying to tell you something this morning. Satan doesn't come to try to steal your good looks. Satan does not come to try to steal your stuff. He doesn't come to try to steal your talent or your cute little Pinterest quotes or your cute little self-affirmations. He comes to steal the word from your heart because it's the word that challenges you and changes you and makes a difference in you. So he's going to steal the word. So what do you mean, Pastor Mike? Well, what he'll do is he'll have you get upset at somebody at church. So then the word never gets planted in your heart. Huh? Listen, I've been hurt by church folk. I've been hurt by unbelieving people. But my trust is in who? God. Amen. I trust in God. He's the one that will never leave me. He's the one that will never forsake me. He's the one that's been uh, pouring all of that into my heart and into my life. Amen. People are going to fail you. 
Amen. Every one of them. They're not going to mean to, but they're going to fail you. They're going to hurt you. Praise God. So the devil comes to steal, listen, the life-giving, truth-exposing, amen, uh, excuse me, truth-revealing, lie-exposing word of God. And if he can steal that word from your heart, amen, what do you got? What do you got, a good quote? I work out every day and I'm going to give you a good quote. That, that, That quote, that guy? That person, that's the quote that's going to take you someplace in life? Huh? It's the word. Amen. It's the word. It's the word. Somebody say it's the word. Praise God. It's the word. Satan hates the word. Amen. Jesus didn't say, hey, find all your best quotes on Pinterest and Facebook. Jesus said to the devil, it is written. It's written. It's written in the word. And the word defeated the devil each and every time what drives Satan away for the moment is the word of God and every time he comes back it'll drive him away yet again you start reading the word I've done it before I've been in a space of uh, of frustration and fear or anxiety and I just start singing the word I just start uh, preaching the word I just start memorizing I got to I got it memorized in my heart I begin to just quote scriptures and all of a sudden the peace of God comes along and boom I fall asleep in that anxiety Amen. No, no, no. I fall asleep in the peace of God. I fall asleep in the presence of God, feeling his presence and feeling that because of the word. Amen. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. But the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's message. I heard it. I accepted it. And watch this. And then I produce a harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as, as had been planted. So now not only did I receive it, not only did I hear it, not only did I accept it, now I'm producing that in the lives of others. Huh? Can you hear what I'm saying to you? And one promise of God is bigger than all of hell put together. Amen? How do we overcome and destroy hopelessness? The application, listen, the application of the promises of God in your life. Amen? The application. You can't just read it now. Now you got to apply it. You ever had God say something to say something to you and be like, "Your at man, your attitude." The Holy Spirit, He just He'd talk to me like that sometimes. Hey, your attitude is terrible. Amen. And immediately, I'm convicted. Immediately, I'm corrected, and I say, "You know what, God? I'm sorry. Help me. Help me walk in a greater space." Amen. And so, the Word of God in my heart is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. Amen. It's the Word acted upon. It's now the word acted upon to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen. To walk that space out to say, hey, I'm going out. I'm doing what it is God has asked me to do. I'm living in this space. So it's applying the word of God to our lives. Amen. And so now it's a confession that we make. It's a confession of faith. It's a, as I confess this and I stand upon the word, it begins to come to pass in your life. Amen. You act like the word is true. You act like what God is saying to you is true and real. You, you're, you believe it. You believe it. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. I'm not telling you to wear a mask. I'm telling you to walk out the purposes of God and apply God's word to your life, and it won't be a mask. Amen. Amen. Hope is knowing that Christ uh, knowing, uh, hope is knowing Christ and Him crucified, resurrected from the dead, and believing upon Him as our Lord and Savior, and then walking in that power, living in that power, walking in that space, and living in that resurrection power. Listen, that same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is coursing through our veins. Amen. That same power. Hallelujah. Somebody give a good amen right there. We're not to ignore temptation, but we choose the word over the temptations. God said when you are tempted, he will get you a way of escape. The problem is is that you're looking for three or four escapes. I'm talking to me, huh? I'm looking for three or four ways out. Listen, God will give you one, huh? He'll give you a way of escape. Listen, if you choose temptations and trials above the word of God you will not come through successfully. If you choose the temptation, you'll not come through successfully. 
Paul counts it, watch this, and he considers what? Joy. I consider the trouble, joy. I consider the temptation of the devil, joy. Because it's going to help me grow, it's going to help me endure in my faith. And the scripture says that he concludes, or he calculates it, and then he considers it joy. How did he learn this? From the word. And no matter how bad the world gets, Jesus is going to win in the end. Amen. It's great. Hallelujah. It's great to live a Christian life, but this earth cannot compare to the glory when we get to heaven. There's no paraplegics in heaven. There's no diseased minds in heaven. There's no diseased bodies in heaven. It's a place that's perfect. Come on, somebody. There are golden streets in heaven. I'm excited about this place. And when you look at the world through the viewpoint of the word, all you can do is rejoice. God still has a plan. I'm not going to be the kind of pastor that doesn't live in the end times in revival. I know a lot of people, they're talking about, well, when's the revival coming? You ought to be walking in it. We are living in the last days. You ought to be living in a revival spirit. In everywhere that you go and in everything that you do, we should be walking in that space, praise God. Now, just like problems, Paul, he's talking about when you see the problems, you can't just ignore the problem. That would be ridiculous, right? You just choose the word of God over the problem. Yeah? Right? You don't ignore your bills. That's not spiritual, that's dumb. And they're coming for you, bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do, what you going to do, you know what I'm saying, they're coming for you, right, huh, you don't ignore your bills, right, amen, faith is not ignoring your problems, amen, but whose report will you believe, the word of God, or the world's report, huh, The greater report is what God has to say over the situations of life. And when there is no hope in this world, God will give you hope. Go ahead, give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Can you do it? He'll give you hope. He'll give you hope. He'll give you hope. Our our final point this morning, the final enemy of every Christian Amen. The final enemy of our faith. It's not an exhaustive list. These are just the three that I chose to talk about today. Amen. The final in, in, this, in this part is the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Amen. The three enemies of every Christian until death. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Watch this. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept Hoping. He kept believing. Amen. That he would become the father of many nations. Do you see that? For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And even Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. Do you see a pattern right here? Amen. All the trouble, all the lies of the enemy, all the frustration, all the fear. It says this, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. I love this part right here in verse 20. Uh, Verse 21, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. He's fully convinced. Think about that. There was no doubt. Amen. There was no, there was was probably a little bit of fear, but there was no doubt. We see this. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded. Look at this, look at this, verse 24, for our benefit too. What are you doing in your life that is counting into somebody else's account? Somebody else's life, somebody else's next level, somebody else's eternity. Huh? Abraham, listen, listen, Abraham did something that is still impacting him in heaven. 
It's still impacting him. It's still impacting the population of heaven. Amen. And all of this was recorded for our benefit, assuring us that God will also count us righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Give God a hand clap of praise right there. It was counted unto him righteousness. Think about it. I mean, if you're Abraham, the world will tell you that you can't have a baby at the age of 100. And the flesh will see to it that you can't have a baby at 100. Huh? Can you hear me? Right? And the devil is lying in their ears all about it. He's planting fear. Huh? He's planting doubt. Man, you're too old to do anything good for God. Huh? You're too young. You're too immature. Man, you need wisdom. Come on, somebody. It's every day of the week. Every day of the week. We take all these pills. This was like the extra, extra big one. Listen, extra big. Man, you, you're really taking some pills if you got one of these big boys from Dollar Tree. Okay? I bought it because it was a dollar, okay? But, you know, some people buy it because they, they need that much medication, right? I remember my grandma, she took all, man, I mean, it was Sunday. Bam, it was Sunday, you know what I mean? It's exactly what the enemy does to our lives. Because he's a pill pusher. Huh? He'll tell you, hey, you're not good enough. You'll never accomplish that dream, that vision that God's, oh, man. And I, I, I love to walk in that space sometimes just to say, you know what? You're right, devil. You are right. But God has counted it unto me. He's already credited my account. Come on, somebody, preach. <laughs> He's already credited into my account. And he'll plant the fear. He'll plant the doubt. He'll plant the disbelief. He'll plant the uncertainty. He'll plant the division, amen? But Abraham had faith, and God blessed Abraham for what? His faith, not his work ethic. Huh? He planted him for his, he, he blessed him for his faith in God. And God blessed us for Abraham's faith in God. Amen. What generation are you blessing because of your faith in God? Who's being counted as righteous because of your faith in Jesus Christ? Who are you blessing? Amen. Whose life, whose future, whose situation is being changed and altered because you have faith in God? You know, Abraham, he considered his body. And then scripture says Sarah laughed at the promise of God. She laughed. Amen. She was making fun of it as the worship team comes. You know, sometimes you got to consider your bank account. Got to lay your bills out there, amen. But then you got to choose God's word over your circumstances and say, God, what is it that I need? Do I need a better job? Do I need to put in more hours? Huh? Do I need to stop spending over, over here so I can pay the electric bill over here? Amen. Stop giving it to Starbucks and give it to PG&E. Or what's our, what's our electric bill around here? Amron, thank you. You give it to Amron? I don't want to give it to Amron either, but, you know, you got to, right? You got to, you got to do those things. But you consider, you lay them out there. Consider the healing that your body needs. Amen. And then place your faith in God Almighty. Say, God, I trust you. I trust you, God. You can't throw your feelings at, your, at the devil. You notice that? My granddaughter, we were out walking the track. We, we had a, four of our grandkids out there were walking around the track, and she couldn't see the older ones. The older ones cruised on around and went on around there, and she just threw her hands up. She goes, wait. She's going to be two here real soon. She's, wait. She's walking as fast as she can. I said, you want me to carry you? No. But she wants everybody to wait. You hear what I'm saying? Can't throw your feelings at the devil. It does. Frustrated. Just wait, you know. Can't throw your emotions at the devil. Can't throw your education at him or your talent. Can't throw an offering at him, you know. Can't throw a vision or a dream at him. Satan doesn't care about your tears or your sorrow. Amen. 
Throw at him the truth of God's word. Throw salvation at him. Say, hey, you, you ought to see, you know, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Throw at him the word, amen. Throw at him the truth of the word of God. Throw God's promises at him. Throw God's history of miracles and signs and wonders at him. And it makes the devil so angry, so frustrated that he can't see straight, amen. Throw your faith in God at him. James chapter 1, verse 6. We said, do not waver. Everybody say, do not waver. Waver actually means to doubt. Amen, to doubt. I wavered. I've wavered before. I've doubted. I've trusted God. God, I trust you. I trust you. Then all of a sudden, you're wavering. And scripture says, when you waver, don't expect to receive what you're after. Listen, I don't have time to waste. I don't have time to waver. I can't walk in that space of wavering and doubting what I know that God is exceedingly able to do. Amen? I know that he's able to do it. Doubt stands between us and our faith sometimes. Doubt stands between faith and unbelief. Circumstances drive you and they push you around. Amen. The circumstances they drive. So I've seen it, I've seen it do, do that to people. I've seen it ruin marriages because circumstances are driving the marriage. Amen. The scripture says a double-minded man is under the authority of his emotions. He's not walking in faith. He's wavering. He's doubting. Amen. So now he's in the space of his emotions and in the pride and in the arrogance and then ultimately confusion takes over the devil every time that he can he'll get you to choke down your pills won't he choke it down Saturday, Sunday, Monday man, all week choke down the doubt the perversion the fear, the unbelief and he pushes everything he can on you and why he does that is because he wants to alter you. It's, it's, a, um, it, it's a perversion of the Holy Spirit. If he could push the doubt on you, instead of leading you by the power of the Spirit, which we talk about in Scripture all the time, being led by the Spirit. Instead, we're led by our emotions or we're led by our fear. We're led by our doubt. We're led by our perversion. We're led by our addictions. And instead, it's a cheap imitation of the Holy Spirit and it'll never lead you to a good place. Amen. We stand with me all over the building. Refuse to ruin your life by taking the poison of bitterness or resentment and unforgiveness. Amen. The Holy Spirit comes to transform our minds through the Word of God. He comes alongside of us to guide us, to convict us, to heal us and to restore us. And we walk in the Spirit. We don't walk after the flesh, amen, but we walk after the Spirit. And the flesh can drive us into all these spaces instead of being able to walk in faith, trusting God and honoring God. As our prayer team comes this morning, quickly, you might be in a different space today in your heart, in your life, in your faith. You might say, Pastor Mike, I've never... I've never even started a relationship with God in faith or through faith. That's what the scripture says that it takes. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe him, that God raised him from the dead, then you can be saved. So as you call upon the name of God, you trust God in that space of faith. The Bible said God hears, heaven hears, and responds. Amen? Through what? Through your confession of faith. You say, Pastor, I need to know Jesus this morning. I've never created faith. I've never, I've never walked in a space of faith between God and I. I need, to, I need to create that space. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I need, to, I need to create faith in my heart. I need to create faith in God today. I want to step into that space. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? Pastor, I, I don't know Jesus as my Lord. I don't know him as my Savior. 
And I want to know God. I want to walk in that space of faith today. Anyone this morning? Anyone this morning? God bless you. I know that God sent me here for another group of people who are wavering in their faith. You're in a space of doubt. And you're asking God, you know, God, I'm in this space. And I I don't want to be in this space. But I, I feel like the world is just tossing me all around and beating me around. And the devil, he's pushing this on me. He's, put, it's like he's, a, he's a drug pusher. And he just keeps pushing all this stuff on me. And I just keep taking his pills daily. I just keep taking what he's feeding me every day. And it's killing me. It's the disappointment. It's the frustration. It's the fear. It's the addiction, the perversion, whatever your situation may be this morning. It's the unbelief in God. And I need God to move in my heart. You say, Pastor, I've been, I've been wavering in my faith. I've been wavering in my belief in God. Is there anybody out there you want us to pray with you? You want us to pray with you. You say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I'm, I'm doubting in some spaces that I know that God is exceedingly able to perform, exceedingly able to do in our heart and in our life. Listen, we want to pray with you. Our, our, our altar workers are here. They've been believing God all week to be able to pray with you, lay hands on you, and, and, and agree with you. The Bible says that if two or three of us would agree together, it's touching anything, that God would give it to us. He would give us that in faith, in faith believing. You say, God... You, you, you say, Pastor, I need God to move in my heart. I need God to move in my life. I want you to come right now. I want you to come right now. We want to pray with you. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. But I want you to take a moment. You say, man, I'm doubting in my faith. I'm doubting in my healing. I'm doubting in my bills. I'm doubting in my marriage. I'm, I'm wavering all over the place, Pastor. And I need God to move in my heart. I need him to move in my life. We want to pray with you. Would you come? We want to lay hands on you and agree with you right now. Know that God's going to move in your heart and in your life. In Jesus' name.